Hey, man. Oh, my goodness. I love gospel music. It just boils my soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the anointing on that sister that sang that song, God. Thank you for keeping us, Lord. Oh, God, thank you for your word that keeps us, God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that keeps us, Lord. Oh, God, thank you for watching over us, Lord, God. God, thank you for watching over your word to keep it throughout generations and generations, God, to keep it intact, Lord, that we can see how you live, Jesus. We can see how you walked and how you you treated the poor, God, and how you treated the widow, God, and, and how you treated the outcast, Jesus. Thank you for keeping your word to show us as an example how you want, how you want your people to live as we follow you. Oh, God, as we look at your text, God, bring us more to truth. Bring us more to the light, God. May we feast off of you, God, the bread of life, the bread of heaven, Jesus. Feed our soul, Lord. It is you we want. It is you we praise. Amen. 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 So let's get into scriptures. We're going to stay going through the Sermon on the Mount, the model prayer where we've, we've been at for a couple of weeks. Pastor Brian has been taking us through the book of Romans. And so we're going to pick back today in our study with me in the uh, model prayer. And if you recall, the last time I was up here, we had finished the first three sets of uh, the, the first three petitions. We looked at the first three, which all dealt with God, and now we are moving to a different uh, level or, or subset of petitions, if you will. And so we'll start, we'll do today Matthew 11, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, verse 11. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Matthew 6, verse 11. Let's just read this one verse. I'm coming out the NASB. And it reads... Give us this day our daily bread. One verse, give us this day our daily bread. Just want to stay there. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the model prayer. We'll say the Lord's prayers in John 17. This is the model prayer for his disciples. And I, I want to start off by just kind of give you a, I'll just go here. I grew up playing football. All right. I grew up playing football. I was a wide receiver and also played quarterback. And as a quarterback, when you're a quarterback and you have primary reads and you have secondary reads, this is football. If you know football, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you don't, this probably sounds like a foreign language. But with football, when let's say when oh, we got Niners fans in here who like, does anybody like football in here? Okay. All right. I know you like football. Okay. All right. So if I say some names, I just hope you, you know. But there's a guy named Joe Montana. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Okay. So when Joe Montana, the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, as a quarterback, when he steps back to pass, his primary read on a play, on a particular play, his primary read, his first target, that's what that means, is to Jerry Rice probably or Jonathan Taylor. That is his first primary read. So when a quarterback, Tom Brady, whoever it is, when they step back, they, they're looking for their primary target. This is who the play is designed to go to. That's called their primary read. But if Jerry Rice is not open, if, if Joe Montana is looking back, he's like, okay, Jerry Rice is covered. Then he checks down and he looks at his secondary read, his secondary options, which would be your tight end and your running back coming out of the backfield. Today, we're going to look at our secondary options of prayer, the, the, the secondary means or objective of prayer. The past couple of weeks, we looked at the primary objective or the, the first in priority, if you will, of how we ought to pray. But today, we're going to look at the second set, which is our, our it's, it's, it's important, 
but it's not our primary objective in prayer. Jesus showed us what our primary objective should be, but now we're transitioning to the second set of petitions. And in verse 11, this deals with the individual, us. This deals, this deals with our own practical uh, and personal needs. And But what you must understand when we look at verse 11, while this verse deals with our personal practical needs, give us this day our daily bread, at the foundation of our prayer has to be our first three petitions. God's name being hallowed, his kingdom come and his will be done. That has to be the foundation of our prayer life. So yes, we are moving to a, sub, a subset of prayer as Jesus teaches on, but the foundation of our prayer life has to still remain in the first three petitions. God's name being hallowed, God's will being done or God's kingdom coming, God's will be done. That has to be the foundation of my prayer life. That has to be the foundation of your prayer life. So you must ask yourself then, what the thing that you're praying about, does it have anything to do with God's name being hallowed? Does it have anything to do with his kingdom come? Does it have anything to do with God's will be done? That thing that you are constantly going to the Lord about in your prayer life, that thing you're constantly praying about, you're thinking about, ask yourself at the foundation of that prayer, at the foundation of that, that request, at the foundation of that thing that I'm constantly asking God to do or to provide, does it have anything to do with God's name being hallowed? Does it have anything to do with his will being done? Does it have anything to do with his kingdom come? Because that has to be at the foundation of our prayer. That has to be at the root. That has to be at the base of what we pray about and what we pray for. The first three sets of petition. So, for, for example, if I'm going to the mission, when I go to the mission, and at the end, we, we have people come up and we, we talk with them. And if I'm talking to a gentleman that is in bondage to the kingdom of darkness and who's enslaved to sin, who doesn't know Jesus, the thing that I'm praying is, God, will you break the bondage of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into your kingdom through repentance and um, bring them to, to submit to your authority and your will? See, I, I'm praying the first three sets of petition in his life. That stays at the foundation of how we pray. It has to be there. So examine yourself. Examine what you go to the bed and the first thing you do when you get on your knees. Does it have anything to do with God? Does it, does it have everything to do with you and your will and your kingdom and what you want to happen? This has to be the base, the foundation of our prayer life, my brothers and sisters. The first three petitions. So in our text today, Jesus says to give us this day our daily bread. And, and as we read this, we must know when he says, give us this day our daily bread, it's not just literally bread only. Jesus is not advocating a high carb diet, if you will, where he's saying, no, you can only pray for bread. That, that, is, that is not what that text is mean, because in, in the Jewish culture, bread was it, it often stood for the whole meal. It, it was it was everything because at, at every Jewish meal they always have bread with their meal and, and bread was an essential part of their their diet. So when it says bread, it's not just saying I want some wheat or or, or what do I get at Subway. I always get the Italian herb and cheese. 
We're not talking about just literal bread, but the substance, all food. You can use bread to, to symbolize all food, all substance, all nutrients. That's how bread is used in the Jewish culture. That is how the term bread. Now, I want to give you an example of this. Um, Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 22. I want you to go here because it's important you see this. First King chapter four, verse 22. I want you to see how the term bread is used here. Old Testament, I know. I hear the page is turning, but I really want you to, to see this so you can get the, the concept of bread as we look at this and look at our main text. So in first uh, Kings verse four, it's uh, it's describing Solomon's wealth and it's describing his provisions that he would have daily or the food that would be in his in his kingdom or in his courtship in his house. And look what it says here. Verse 22 it says Solomon's provisions for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meat, 10 fat oxen, 20 pasture fed oxen, 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks and fattened fowls. It says that is Solomon's provisions, right? But the word provision that is right there is the Hebrew word lakim, which is bread. So if you were reading this in Hebrew, it would say Solomon's bread was 30 cores of flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fat oxen, uh, 20 pasture fed oxen, 100 sheep. But it's describing it all under the heading of bread. Do you get what I mean? How, how bread is just symbolic for the general meal, your, your general food. That's how bread is used in the, in the Jewish culture. You can even look at Jesus in John chapter 6. Remember when he feeds the multitude with bread and fish. And then he, he, he preaches later to that same multitude and he tells them that I am the bread of life. He doesn't say that I'm the bread and the fish of life, right? Even though he just fed them bread and fish, he says, I am the bread of life. Why? Because bread is symbolic of the, to the total meal. It's the substance. It's food in general. And Jesus said that I am the substance of life. I am the bread of life. Another example, in our society, we say a person's a breadwinner, right? We don't mean that they literally want bread, right? It's, it's symbolic that this person brings in the income, which allows us to go to live on and buy different things that we need. We say that person is the breadwinner. So we got to understand bread has, it's, you got to understand the context of how we're using this term bread. It's, it's been used symbolically for the, the whole meal when we say bread. So in our text, Jesus, back in our main text, Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching us to go to God for our daily bread, for our daily food. Now, some of us will say, of course, it's okay to ask God for food. Of course, it's okay to ask God for bread. We're, we're humans, and, and as humans, that's what we need to survive. So, so, Mr. Jesus, you're not really saying anything profound here. You're asking me to go and, and, and ask God for bread, for, for daily substance. Of course, we're going to ask God for bread because that's what we need as humans. We need food to survive. But if that's your thought, I really want you to think on the structure of this prayer that Jesus has. Because if we are saying that bread and food is essential to life, like oxygen or water, why is it then that the thing that is most essential to life, we're saying bread, is number four on the prayer list here? Think about that. 
If we're saying that bread and food is essential to life, that we needed to live as humans, why is it number four on Jesus' priority list of what to pray about? If it's, if it's that essential, if it's something that we so need, if, if, this, if this list that Jesus has given us is not just some arbitrary list, if, if, the, if the pattern, if, if these different terms that he's using there, hallowed be thy name, if thy kingdom come, if those terms are not interchangeable, if we can't move them around, then, then why is it number four on the list that we would pray for bread? Why is it not higher? What is Jesus trying to show us here by putting the thing that is essential to life, food and water and th- those different things, why why is that number number four on the list? And why is it on Jesus' list at all? Jesus is showing us something here. He's showing us something here by having bread or food at the number four on the list as opposed to number one or number two. He's showing us that there's something else that's more essential to life than food. He's showing us that thing that is more essential to life then food is God and God's purposes and God's plan. Yes, you need food to survive, but he's showing us that something that's more essential to life, something that is more important to life is God, God's plans and God's purposes. And we see Jesus making that same point in Matthew chapter four when he's in the wilderness. Go to where it's just one page over. It should be for most of us. Jesus makes this same point. In a different way, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 4. Look what he says here. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And look what happens. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What is Jesus getting at here? He said, Satan, guess what? There's another source that you don't know about. There's a, what do you think that's been keeping me these 40 days and 40 nights? What do you think has kept me here in the wilderness? There's, a, there's something else. There's a, another source, and that source is the word of God. That source is the will of my Father. That is what has been feeding me these 40 days and 40 nights. Satan, there, there's something else that you're not knowing about that's more essential to life than food. It's the word of God. That's what's been keeping our Lord as he's going in the desert. That is what is keeping our Lord as he's going through temptation. He he knows that there's another substance that I need, and that is what I'm eating off of when I don't have this food. That is what I'm eating off of when I'm in the midst of the wilderness. I'm I'm eating off doing my father's will. I'm, I'm eating off the word of my father. That is his food. That is his substance. So we show that's what's been keeping me, Satan, these 40 days and 40 nights. It's the, it's the food, it's the, it's the will of my Father, it's the food of God. He says it in another way in John 4. Do you remember the woman at the well? We looked at this a couple weeks ago. Remember he's talking to the woman at the well and his disciples come to him and they're, they're asking him for food and he said, he, he's like, no, I'm cool, I don't want food, I got something else. Something else I'm eating on my food, he says, is to do the will of my Father and to complete his work. See, that is his food, it's doing the will of God. It is God's will, his way. That is what feeds Jesus. That is the other source. And we come to experience that oftentimes when we engage in fasting. 
When we engage in fasting, we are saying, there's another source that I want. There's another food that I want. It is God. That is the food that I really want. That is the one who's feeding me. We experience that same thing when it comes to fasting. So if bread is not the primary nutrient of life, then if it's not the most essential thing, what is the purpose of it? And why is it making Jesus's prayer list here? Why is it on number four? The answer lies in the first three petitions. The answer lies in the first three petitions. Jesus has taught us that the disciples heart should be that God's name be hallowed, that God's kingdom come and that God's will be done. That means that food and bread then becomes the fuel to help us accomplish the thing that we so desire, which is God's kingdom come, his will be done. That's what food becomes. It becomes the fuel to help us accomplish the things that we so desire and want. It's God's name being hallowed. That becomes the ultimate objective of bread. We want food and nutrients so we can carry out or play our part in the first three petitions that Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thy name be hallowed. That is, that is why I want bread so I can accomplish and, and play my part in bringing those three things to bear here on this earth. That is why I want food. I don't want food to build my own kingdom. I want food to build your kingdom. That is why we ask for bread, even in our eating. To glorify God. You'll see after service today, we're all going to go back there. We're going to eat food. That food fuels us to talk to our brothers and sisters, to engage, to pray with them. We, we discuss God with them. Our brother Eduardo and our brother Casper are going to go get food to get fueled up to go out and, and preach the gospel. Pastor Brian's probably going to go and prepare his sermon for the coming weeks. Food has given him the fuel to accomplish God's will and God's purposes. I'm going to go and be with my kids and be the father that God has called me to do according to his will in this scripture. Food becomes the the fuel to help you accomplish all the things that God has called us to do in the first three petitions. And that is why we pray for bread. See, what you must understand, what we must understand, is that the first three petitions that Jesus teaches us to pray, they summarize the whole purpose of life. They summarize the whole purpose of life. You don't have to go to Barnes and Nobles and get a book on the purpose of life. You don't have to go get a self-help book. All you have to do is read the first three verses of the model prayer. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. That summarizes the whole Christian life. Everything. But you say, but Brother Jerome, I thought we were called to, to worship God. What do you think hallowed be thy name means? Worship fits in there. Or you say, Brother Jerome, aren't we supposed to evangelize and, and share our faith? What do you think the kingdom of God come and thy will be done means? That's all fits in there. Every aspect of the Christian life can fit somewhere in those three petitions. And that is why we want bread. We want bread so we can carry out God's will, God's plan in those three. That is why we're praying for daily substance. You can see an example of this in, in, in Genesis. Go with me to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. I want to show you how we see this same pattern here. Genesis chapter 1. And thanks to my children, they ripped out that whole section of the Bible. <laughs> so I had to go and print it here on my sheet. <laughs> Put a... 
We're here, Genesis chapter 1. I was thinking of a joke. Um, I was watching the show, and the guy, he was talking about people that are often on attend church. And, and he said that the pastor got up, and he uh, opened his Bible, and he said, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. And then he said the person that didn't go to church was like, why are you always going to start in the hardest books? Where's that book at? Y'all totally missed a joke. <laughs> Thank you. you. You'll get it on your way home. You'll get it on your way home. <laughs> so he says in Genesis chapter 1, I don't think I gave you the verse, verse 27, 27, 27 to 29. I want you to see the same pattern here. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 29. Look how it reads here. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, 28. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over everything that moves on the earth. 29. Look what happens next. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding its seed. It shall be food for you. Do we see what's happening here? Where does the commandment lie? Where's the imperative? The commandment lies not in go thee for and eat food. The commandment, the action lies in go and fill this earth, subdue it. You, you are ruler over it. Go multiply, go fill the earth, go be fruitful. That is what God is calling them to do. Then he gives them the food to help them accomplish the mission. The commandment is in the go and doing, go fulfill, go subdue. It's not in the go and eating. The food becomes our fuel to help us accomplish the commandment that God first gives us. See, God's will and his purposes are always first. They get the command, okay, I need to go and fill. And he says, and I have given you this food over here for, for food, these, these plants over here. But the, the command is you need to go and fulfill this earth. You need to go and subdue it. You need to go and rule over it. You need to go and multiply on it. And why? guess what? I have food over here. I have substance over here for you so that you can be fueled to go. Uh, I can see Adam and Eve saying, okay, you want me to go forward? Well, what are we going to eat? And God said, I've given you this food over here, these plants. This is what you're going to have. Now you go forward and be about the commandments that I've given you to go fulfill the earth. Go subdue it. Go multiply in it. That's where the command lies. It's not in the, the command. It's not in the eating but it's in the going, it's in the doing. But in our culture, we have actually reversed it. We treat food as if it is the imperative. We treat food as if it is a command. And as a result, we have become this gluttonous society. Now, food that's supposed to be in the fuel has made us lazy and we actually move less. But this is largely an American problem. People in other countries, they die from a lack of food. We die because we have too much food. It's an American problem. And so guess what? Us Americans, with our abundance of food, out of all the people in the world, through all generations, guess what? Of all the people in the world, all generations, forever and ever, we today have the hardest time actually praying this prayer, give us this day our daily breads, more than any other generation ever. We all exactly, we all have an abundance. We live in the most abundant society. We have food everywhere. This prayer, verse 11, then becomes 
one of the hardest to pray more than any other generation because we are the most prosperous generation. It becomes the hardest to pray more than any generation. See, it's difficult to pray, give us this day our daily bread when we have full refrigerators and, and, and stock uh, cabinets. Many people in America have multiple refrigerators, including myself, to be honest. Right? We, we have the main refrigerator in the house. Then we have that one in the garage. Or we have that deep freezer in the garage where we keep all of our meats and, and different desserts and whatever stuff like that. See, we have multiple refrigerators. The refrigerator industry will never go out in America. We're always going to need it. Need it. We're always going to need it. But guess what? For our brothers and sisters in third world countries, this prayer is, it's, they pray this with sincerity. And even the people that is on the mountain with Jesus, when they hear those words, they're praying that with sincerity of heart. In the first century, they didn't have refrigerators. Remember, their refrigerators was salt. They would sprinkle salt on there to preserve their food. They didn't have stockpiles of food like we have today. So when they did this prayer, they did it with all in all sincerity of heart. And they said, give us this day our, our daily bread. And I, I want to, um, D.A. Carson makes a great comment on this in this commentary. D.A. Carson, he's a great minister of the gospel. And this is what he says about this verse. He says, in Jesus's day, laborers were commonly paid each day for the work that they had achieved that day. And the pay was frequently so abysmally low that it was almost impossible to save any of it. Therefore, the day's pay purchased the day's food. When you're living in a society like this, this petition, Lord, give us this day, our daily bread becomes extremely real. It becomes really real. And it's very difficult for us to pray this prayer in sincerity of heart here in America. Do you not know that if you make $32,400 a year in income, you are in the top 1% income earners in the world. If you make more than $32,400, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the world, meaning you make more than 99% of most people in the whole world. That's something. We have an abundance. We have an abundance. And so when we look at this verse, give us this day our daily bread. It's hard to read that or it's hard to pray that in all sincerity. But guess what? Even though we have an abundance, we can still pray this prayer in all sincerity for three main reasons. And that's what this is what I want to close out with. I want to give the three main reasons why we can still pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread in all sincerity of heart, even though we may have an abundance here in America. Reason number one, why we can still pray this prayer in all sincerity of heart is the first two words of this prayer. Give us. Not give me, that prayer says. It says, give us, meaning I'm not just praying for myself when I say give us, but I'm interceding for my brothers and sisters as well. 
So while I may have an abundance of food, I know that there are other brothers and sisters who may not have an abundance. So I am praying with sincerity of heart that they may be fed too, that they may have their daily bread. So even if my cabinets are full, even if my refrigerators are full, I know that not every one of my brothers and sisters has food. And so as I go on my knees and I pray, I am praying, God, that my brothers and sisters who don't have God, give them their daily bread. See, I can still pray that in all sincerity. And if I pray that in all sincerity, that prayer should now lead me to getting up on my feet and praying with my feet in action and taking from my abundance to give to those who are in need who don't have. That is what that prayer should do. That is why 1 John 3.16 says this, but whoever has his world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? How does it? If I have this abundance and my brothers and sisters don't, I should be going to try to help them and meet their need. That's what the church's responsibility is. That's part of it. That's part of our call of God. We see that call being carried out, or we see Paul encouraging the church to do that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He's writing to the Corinthians in this, in this verse. And he's reminding the Corinthians, hey, we're, we're collecting or we're taking up an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. So there were some poor saints in Jerusalem. And I want to make a point here. Paul is taking up an offering for poor saints in Jerusalem. Some of those poor saints may have been missionaries. Some of them may not have been. It was the fact that this was a church who had a need. And Paul is saying we are collecting for this body of believers that we are connected to. So Paul is saying... Get together your food, get together your, your, I mean your, your money, and we're going to go and take this gift, this deed to our brothers and sisters who are without, who are lacking. So this prayer, when it says, give us this day our daily bread, it should open our hearts to think about our brothers and sisters. That's the beauty of this. When you read that, or when you say this prayer, you should be thinking about somebody else, not just you. This prayer should lead you to pray things like this. Oh, God, please meet the needs of the church in Somalia. Oh, God, please meet the needs of the church in Nigeria or Cambodia, where they may be fleeing from rebels. Or, or, or oh, God, please meet the needs of the church in inner city Detroit, where maybe their members don't have lights and they don't have food. God, God, please meet their needs. God, God, please allow my brothers and sisters to have full bellies and full stomachs to go and carry out your purpose and, and your will that you have for them. God, God, meet their need God give them their daily bread see this prayer leads us to praying for the church the church is the body of Christ which brings us back to our main petition if I'm praying for the church and the church is the body of Christ now I'm praying back in my first three petitions God kingdom come his will be done and his name being hallowed God then becomes the center because his body is the church church uh, Christ is the body so it brings me right back in full plan to the reason why I pray so we should be praying for the church we should be praying for Christ's body because that's part of God's will we pray that God meets their need. That's so essential when you look at this prayer. It's not about us. Reason number two why we should be praying this prayer or why we can pray this prayer in all sincerity of heart is because nothing materially speaking is promise. 
Nothing materially speaking. That's key word. I didn't say nothing's promised. We know our salvation is guaranteed in Christ. So don't twist that. But I'm saying that nothing materially speaking is promised. We may have full refrigerators today, full cabinets tomorrow, but it's, I mean, today, but it may not be promised tomorrow. Brothers and sisters that are my brothers, that, that food, that good dinner that your wife is cooking today, guess what? It is not promised tomorrow. Uh, the, the things that you have today, it is, it is not promised tomorrow. Anything can happen. We look at our brother Joe when he says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. See, we don't put our confidence in full refrigerators. We don't put our confidence in full cabinets. We don't put our confidence in full bank accounts, but we continually, humbly look to God each day asking for our daily substance because we know that none of this is just given to us and we're just going to have it off top. We constantly go and we seek God knowing that he is the giver. He's the provider. Some of my history buffs, you guys know about 1929, right? What happened in 1929? Anybody remember from school? There you go, Claudia. The Depression. 1929, you had Black Tuesday. Black Tuesday, that is when the stock market dropped. When the stock market dropped, that was the beginning of the Great Depression. America went from this abundance, this glory of having everything they needed, everybody's doing good, to a depression for years. In an instant, their refrigerators that were full went empty. In an instant, their cabinets that were full went empty. Things can be gone in a minute. That is why we don't put our hope in our abundance when we put our hope in the giver of life, which is Jesus Christ. And that is why we can still pray that prayer, even in our abundance, because we know that it is you, God, who provides. It is you who gives. So my faith, my confidence in you. We even learned this more recently from 2008. What happened in 2008? The Great Recession of 2008. Many people's RIAs got cut in half. Their portfolios got cut in half. Many people lost their homes. But right before that, America was booming. The car industry was booming, housing was booming, vacations were booming, people were living it up, full refrigerators, full cabinets, and all of a sudden, the market drops. We cannot put our confidence in abundance. We cannot put our confidence in any of those things. We stay putting our confidence in God, asking him daily in a humble spirit, God, give me bread. <laughs> Even though I have a lot, God, I know it is you who provides. God, thank you each day for giving me this bread. Thank you each day for providing my substance. Thank you each day, God, for providing me this nutrients that you have given me so I can go out and create or, or do your will and do your purposes. We humbly stay in that position. And that is why I love this verse, because it keeps us going back to the well. It keeps us going back to the well. It keeps us going back to God as the provider. And it keeps us in the present. It says to give us today, this day, this is daily. See, much of our stress in life comes from us thinking in the future. God, am I going to have enough about to do this at the end of the month? God, am I going to be able to get by? Am I going to be able to pay this bill? We're, we're often thinking about the future and we're stressing about it because we're trying to stand in the position of God. But this verse tells us, no, you stay in the present. You take it day by day, going to your Lord, asking for your daily bread. You don't start stressing about what may happen at the end of the month. Tomorrow has his own trouble, Jesus tells us. You, you, you stay right here in the present. You, you ask God for your daily bread to, to meet your needs and you keep going to do his will. You don't start thinking way out there in the future. So this verse keeps us in the present. It keeps us seeking God as the giver, asking for our daily substance to go and do his will.
the last reason, or one of the last reasons, I'm sure there's others, why we can still pray this prayer, give us this day, our daily bread and sincerity of heart, is because bread, physical bread is ultimately a type or shadow that points to Jesus as the bread of life. He is the bread that we really want. That is another reason why we can pray this because bread ultimately points to Jesus being the bread of life. Colossians 1.17, the, the bottom of it says that all things were created through him and for him, meaning Christ. Meaning water is good. Water is good for the body, but water ultimately points to Jesus as being the fountain of living water. We, we know how good he can be because we've been able to taste water. So water points us to Jesus. And, and light and sunshine is good for our body. It's, it's good for plants, but light ultimately points to Jesus as being the light of the world. God filled Israel with manna from heaven. Yes, he cared for them, but that manna was ultimately to point to Jesus as being the, the bread of life. Everything points to Christ. He's the object. Everything that is good points to Jesus. Even bread, bread points to Jesus. So we say, yes, Lord, give me my physical substance that I, that I need to go and carry out your will and to carry out your purposes. But God, it is really you I want. I want your life living inside of me. I want you. You are the substance that I really want. And that is why we can pray that prayer sincerely because it is Jesus we want living inside of us. It is communion with God that we so hunger for and want every day we want that bread. And we can pray for that bread when we get on our knees and pray this prayer. It, it, it saddens me as I look out on society and I see so many people trying to live on bread alone and marriage alone and kids alone and family alone and cars alone and success alone and goals alone and dreams alone, never finding fulfillment, never finding satisfaction as such as some of us were. But then God, seeing us in our misery, seeing us in the mud, seeing us chew on trash and imitation bread and chewing on goals and never finding satisfaction comes and sends his son Jesus who comes and brings us truth and brings us love. And as we encounter Jesus, he changes our appetite. So now we just want him. We just want the things of God. We just want to eat and feast off of him. We don't want imitation bread anymore. We don't want those other things. Now our desire is for him because God had mercy on us. He's seen you in the mud. You know what you were chewing on before you met Jesus. What you were chewing on never satisfied you. It never brought you life. What you were chewing on kept you longing for more. What you were chewing on led you to addictions. What you were chewing on you are ashamed to even speak of because it led you to doing things you can't stand right now. You were chewing on that. And then the gospel comes, the Holy Spirit comes and transforms your life and you begin to see Jesus as beautiful. And now you don't have the appetite for those things anymore. See, that is the goodness of God. You are no longer chewing on trash, but you are chewing on the bread of life. Chewing on Jesus. So we say, God, give us more of this bread. Give us more of this. It's the lady at the well said, give me this water. We're saying, Lord, give us more of this bread, you. Give us more of you. Just thinking about my, my spiritual battle I was having this week, and my soul was so bothered. And I was physically hungry, so I said, okay, I'm going to 
I got money in my pocket. I can go buy whatever I want. So I'm going to go get some food and I end up going to Subway. Don't judge me. And, and, and I go to Subway and I get my food, my turkey sandwich. No, it's tuna. And, and, and I ate it and my body was feeling good, but my soul was still bothered. Because it was Jesus I wanted. I just wanted the spirit to speak to my soul. I just wanted to hear the voice of God speaking to him. God, it's you I want. I don't, even though my belly is full, God, it is you. You are the bread. You are the source. You are the substance that I, I want living in me. You are my life. That is why we pray this prayer. We pray for our physical needs to carry out its purposes. We pray for our brothers and sisters who have, who don't have this, that they may have it. And we also go out our way to meet their needs. And we pray this because we want Jesus. We want more of Jesus. So Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, God, thank you for feeding us with your word, your truth, God. Thank you, Lord, for changing our appetite. Oh, God, thank you for changing our appetite and making sin taste gross, God. And thank you for giving us a, an appetite for holiness and righteousness and pursuing you and carrying your purposes. God, thank you for not leaving us there in the mud to eat on that junk, God, that stuff that we are ashamed of. But you've come and given us real food, real bread, Jesus. Keep feeding us. Keep communing with us, Jesus. Keep speaking to our heart, Jesus. Keep walking with us in the midnight hour, Jesus. Let us feel your presence more and more as we go about your way, Lord. Oh, Jesus, dwell in the midst of this church, Jesus. Dwell in my brothers and sisters, God. Feed them. Feed their souls, God, as they long for you, Lord. Feed them that they may do your purposes and your will, God. Lord, thank you just for your bread that you've given us to feed our soul. Thank you for being the true bread from heaven. Oh, Lord, fathers in your son, Jesus name, we even approach and speak to you. Amen.